Yeah, I like it when they they start the podcast. They like come in early before they said go. Yeah. And you get this bit. Is this thing working? <laughs> Hello. Okay, so this is um, possibly the creative coding podcast or something. Well, that's a good strong start. How about, welcome to the very first Creative Coding Podcast with me, Seb Lee Delisle. And me, Ian Love. <laughs> okay, so what we're going to talk about is general recent goings on around creative coding, the web, the games. Yeah, of course, me and Ian always have these conversations offline and we thought that um, it would be fun to actually share them with you. Whether that's true or not it remains to be seen, but let's give it a go. Absolutely. So, first thing we thought we were going to talk about is the state of online gaming. Yes. So, Ian, <laughs> tell me about the state of on- online gaming. Um, it's strong. Wow. I mean, I guess there's really there's web gaming, right? And then there's online gaming. Sure. So, online gaming is covers things like World of Warcraft and stuff, which are obviously doing well yeah but web gaming you know it's obviously games that you just play through your browser We'd, and they're also doing great i guess that's primarily what i know more about you know the the casual games the flash game scene and and the emerging scenes things like unity um i, ca- yeah, I kind of checked out i'm not probably so connected with the games community as you are ian but i checked it out last year at the flash game summit and it seemed to be burgeoning and i, I seem to meet a few individuals and companies that seem to be making a living out of it i'm interested to see whether that's changed at all within the last year or so what do you think um yeah i mean it still seems to be doing really well um flash is still really popular for web games html5 has kind of seen lots of growth and interest and stuff but what's interesting about the html5 thing is that a lot of the html5 games that i've seen aren't coming from the same group of people that are doing Flash games. They're, it's not like people switching from doing Flash games to HTML5 games. It's kind of new people who were doing other kinds of games or doing like just web pages and stuff in JavaScript. And so kind of now those abilities are there in the browser. They're having a go at games. That's a really good, important point. And it's something I say quite a lot is that, you know, like the whole Flash community right from the very start were animators and illustrators and started playing with script. You know, and now it seems like the JavaScript programming community, they're all like programmers and they're used to doing, you know, pretty dry day-to-day websites and forms. And, and now they're starting to be able to do more creative stuff. And I think a lot of them really are embracing that. There will be lots of people, there'll still be this level of enthusiasm for, for JavaScript games because you've been able to make JavaScript games for years and years, you know. Yeah. With DHTML, yeah, there was a game, DHTML Lemmings. I don't know if you remember Yeah, I do. That. I remember it. But how long ago was that, right? Almost yeah. 10 years ago or something. So Yeah, it was, I don't know if it was that long, but it was certainly a while no, ago. Honestly, I'm pretty, sure it, I'm pretty sure it was like 2001. Well, that just makes me feel really old. But um, yeah. it's, a really, it's a really good point. There does seem to be um, a, a real sense of momentum in, in the gaming side of open web stuff, particularly with Mozilla's um, Game On. Is it On? I should know what it's called, seeing as I'm one of the judges. <laughs> Uh, hang on i'm just game on that's it vincilla labs game on i just checked so yeah they are clearly encouraging it more and i think there's also well basically you know we've talked about this loads on on my blog and on twitter and stuff but there is basically seem there seems to be a demand from clients to have everything we make work on ipads and iphones i I don't i don't see that side of it myself because you know i'm very much like a flash specialist so Mm. 
by the time someone talks to me these days, they've already decided that they're going to use Flash. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, I miss out on a lot of this. So the irony with, with clients demanding, you know, iOS functional games is that, you know, most HTML games don't actually work on iOS. I think this is really interesting, the, the sort of motivations for using in-browser capabilities over Flash. Um, I mean, I've done both now. I'm st- certainly starting to, to learn JavaScript, and I'd encourage you all to do the same. <laughs> I don't think Ian would necessarily, but <laughs> I do. Um, and, and because I know how to do it in both, I mean, it's clearly a lot easier to do it in Flash still. Um, so what are the benefits of one over the other? And if you talk to any JavaScript programmer, they tend to say things like it feels more open, more accessible. You know, I think there's a, a kind of conception that Flash is this sort of closed black box in your web page that feels a bit inaccessible. But I think really, if we're honest about it, as long as it does work in in as many browsers as possible, then, you know, it's an either-or thing, right? You've genuinely got a choice. At the Game On event in London, they were sort of talking about this subject. So obviously, it's a very difficult subject, especially because you're going to favor the thing you know best, right? So all JavaScript programmers are going to feel naturally that this is the right thing to use. And all the Flash programmers are kind of saying, well, why? Why do we have to use it? And I remember really clearly someone in the audience lifted up their iPad and aloft. They held it aloft and said, this, this is the reason why you must use JavaScript. <laughs> and of course, the thing about iOS iPads is that they don't run Canvas very well at all. I'm not saying it's not possible to make a game in JavaScript and HTML, which works well on iOS, um, but it's definitely difficult. Um, and in fact, I've been looking into this more, and the way to do it is, is by avoiding Canvas completely and using DOM objects. And as soon as mm. you set... Sorry, we're getting a bit geeky now, but this is a really important thing. That yeah, yeah. If, um, because mobile Safari supports all the 3D trans- CSS transforms, mm. and as soon as you use those 3D CSS transforms, the hardware acceleration kicks in and you get some half-decent performance. Um, But it's certainly not a case of making it on normal websites and then it will just work on the iPad. You have to do something special for the iPad. And if you're going to do that, well, why not use Flash? Yeah. I mean, the other thing is, you know, obviously with iOS, you've got the whole other issue of you could make an app instead. Yeah. So, and then you get native performance. So... Yeah, and actually... I'm, I see, I wonder if that's, that's actually going to have a detrimental effect on the number of web games that are available for for iOS, just because if you're going to make a game for iOS, you might as well make one that, you know, runs well. Yeah, I, I tend to agree, and certainly I see the, the trend in, you know, certainly our clients are plugging media, um, rather than say, why doesn't our game or kids' website work on the iPad? They'll just say can you do us an iPad app? Um, well, you know, remember I did my What the Flux survey and mm. um, I think it was something like 60% of people had been asked to make an iPhone app or an iOS app. So it's clearly something that our clients are demanding. As to how to do that, well, I mean, I've, I've learned Objective-C and it's pretty hard and I wouldn't say it was necessarily built towards gaming. I think the component system and all of that stuff is very good. Um, but yeah, if you want to make a game, you've got to start getting a bit low level and there's stuff like Cocos 2D which is a nice graphics library um, but I actually think if you want to make a game on iOS I'd use Unity well I mean it depends if it's a 3D game though doesn't it because well that's a, that's a really good question um, but the thing is that Unity is so easy to use that I'm actually seeing people use it to make 2D games 
there's a really good one that I saw about a year ago called OMG Pirates. And I can't remember who made it now, but um, that's built in Unity. And it's kind of a bit 3D, but they're not really using the 3D and all the sprites are 2D. They're sort of planes. Um, so they've animated these characters by getting bitmaps on planes and sort of moving the planes around in Maya and having like a 3D animated sprite, which is kind of weird, yeah. right? But Yeah, actually... no, I've, I've seen that in uh, Zombieville as well. Mm. And... Yeah, it works really well. It works um, really well, and it runs it actually so looks fast. A bit, a bit like Flash as well, doesn't it? Because it does look a bit like Flash. Yeah, absolutely. If you have a like a vector shape, obviously rendered as a bitmap, you put it on a plane, and then you're like moving those around like puppets. That's kind yeah. of how people tend to do Flash animation. Yeah, and so it's quite similar. Except you have to do it in Maya, I think, which is yeah, yeah exactly, which is crazy, <laughs> which is a bit difficult. Um, so I suppose while we're talking, you know, the great thing as far as I'm concerned about if you wanted to make an iPhone game in unity 3d then you could also publish it to other platforms as well right you know yeah but then it comes the question of would you want to and it's also different versions as well on unity it's not like the the ios version isn't necessarily the version you'd want to use for a web game i think no. there's different I, I assume there'd be some level of reuse reusability there yeah um, is, there's an android version isn't there for unity there is yeah I mean, in a way, it's going to be better to make your game in Unity 3D if you want it to be on Android and iPhone than using Flash, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the advantage of using Flash is just that you're using Flash. <laughs> That's not a and reason. It, yeah, it, it is, though, because there's so many people who can do Flash versus so many people who can do Unity 3D. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess these conversations always have to be um, from the point of view of you know, if you want it, if you want them to be genuinely platform agnostic, these discussions, you have to assume that everyone knows everything equally well. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because that. of course, if I'm a brilliant Flash coder and I've never opened Unity, then I'm going to be biased towards Flash. Um, but yeah. I, you know, you have to think. I mean, actually, I've used Unity a bit. I've never, I've I've done a couple of projects in it, but nothing that's publicly available. But I would still say I'm much more comfortable with Flash. But even despite that. I'd still use Flash. Uh, I'd still use Unity 3D to make an iPhone game. Mm. You know, it runs. Well, you wouldn't really want fast. to use the iPhone packager for Flash because yeah, I think that's it's important. So slow. I think that's important to say. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But, I mean, I, th I think I'd rather use one of these other weirdy things if it was a 2D game rather than kind of make Unity 3D be 2D. Mm. I'd rather use one of these things like. Uh, is it? Could you say Cocos? Cocos, Cocos 2D. Cocos but 2D. the thing about Cocos is that it is still. It's still Objective C, isn't it? Isn't, right. Know, isn't and there's it? another one, Corona. Yes. Now, Corona isn't that, that might be Lua or something? Yeah, right? I think that's or platform not? independent, but I, I haven't checked it, so we'd probably better not mention it, or I'd just be making it up. Sure. Well, we can say, <laughs> you know, for for our listeners if they're interested. Yeah. That's you know the good options. But yeah, Unity 3D is such a great product. It must be really frustrating to be a Unity developer, and you know sitting there saying, we've got the best products, why aren't we the best? Why aren't we number one on the web? Yeah, I mean, I think that's something really interesting. I, I certainly saw, you know, it seems like, the, you know, and this is probably something you'll know more than me, and, but it seems to me like the Unity web player is, is not quite getting the traction that they maybe would have hoped. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. Like, when I first saw it, probably two or three years ago, I expected it to be in a better position now than it is. Not that it hasn't kind of done well or done okay, but sure. um, there's been a, a lack of, I guess, showcase games for it. Or, you know, there's that website, blurs.com, with yeah. uh, lots of really great games on it. But beyond that, the, the visibility of finding games that are, you know, 
really good on the web and unity is quite hard so what about the congregate announcement over christmas yeah that's um a really cool thing so now on now you at last you can actually host your unity 3d games on congregate right yeah which was which is always a problem because I, I as far as i know or at least last time i checked um mini clip and some of the others weren't accepting unity games is that still true yeah, I mean, Miniclip's a funny one anyway because Miniclip isn't like a normal portal in that it's not open to submissions. Yeah. So they've got their own business model thing going on. So Yeah. I mean, there were um, some of the other portals of that kind, like Shockwave.com, were doing Unity 3 games for a long time. Um, it seemed like... Yeah, so yeah, Congregate is the first kind of self-serving portal where you can just upload a game automatically yourself Yeah. without any kind of permission that is accepting Unity games. Right. And so, obviously, that's a good thing for Unity. Sure. So, what's the um, what's the you know is like because I think everyone talks about monetization, right? And there's a real there's some real clear monetization paths for Flash games right now, which are enabling indie game developers to make a living, which I think is really really cool. We it is great. Yeah, we haven't really seen something like that for years, right? Um, I think last time I can remember that people could make a living making games on their own was probably when there were bedroom coders making Spectrum games, you know, in the 80s. Yeah, well, well, yeah, I guess the Atari ST and the Amiga probably as well. Yeah, but I think at at that point it got that much harder to make a game, right? Because they were quite sophisticated. I remember the games that came out. Do you remember the Batman game, which was bundled with the Amigas and um, uh, was the rollerball game that was really amazing? Team 17 games. Like, there's probably like small, but still a team of people had to make mm. it. I mean, that's it. It depends what you define as like a bedroom coder, because you know, yeah, all those Amiga games like Team 17. That was probably just a few guys. Like Sensible Software, I think, was only four guys when they made right. Sensible Soccer and Megalomania. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, anyway, whatever it is, it hasn't been like that for at least ten or twenty years, right? <laughs> I think, well, I mean, yeah, but there's also been the, the PC downloadable market and the shareware market and right. games like Doom and stuff. Yeah. So, you know, when, when it made Doom, they were only a few guys. Sure. They were, you know, fully indie. So there is like the whole indie games thing, which I don't really want to get into too much. Um, <laughs> well, don't then. But, okay. Well, I've done it now. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's the whole indie games thing, but most of them aren't interested in making money. There's at least like one or two people that are actually you know, well, I only know like about Sean Cooper for sure. Sean Cooper, who, um, who makes the Boxhead games, right? And yeah. as far as I know, he's making a very comfortable living just to forget off the games that he's painstakingly making. And then um, there's Nitrome Games, who are a small company in London, doing the same thing, but with a small team that are sort of similar in size to Plugin Media. But mm. you know, but yeah, there's me. many, many more yeah studios like that doing Flash games. Yeah. So yeah, uh, who did you mention, Sean Cooper? Yeah. Yeah, Ben Olding. Um, who else? I don't know, know Ben. Yeah, I think, which was his game? I don't know. Uh, I think his game was Warlords. Ben Olding Games Warlords. Yes, actually, that yeah. does ring a bell. Yeah, so he's, I think his game's had one of the most plays. It's had like, you know, 100 million plays or something. Is that a Flash game? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, there's quite a few people, you know, who do make a living off it now. Yeah, and is... so I guess the <laughs> going back right back to the beginning, the point I was trying to make was that maybe those mechanisms and systems aren't really in play yet for HTML games. Yeah, but I mean, the question is, can they ever be? I don't know. I don't see why not. Like, one thing about the distribution of a Flash game is that it's one file, it's just a Swift, 
Yeah, mine, mine never look. were. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, yeah. But if you're doing stuff for a client, obviously you can do whatever you want, or if you're hosting it on your own site. But if it's for portals, um, well, I, I'm thinking in particular about Extreme Pamplona, which was a huge platform game we made a few years ago, maybe three years ago, and it was on MiniClip. It was like in their top five games until quite recently, actually. Um, and that's because there's so much content in it. If we put it all in one Swift, it would have probably been, you know, like 15 meg or something, um, which actually doesn't sound too much these days. But at the time, it was um, quite an issue. So, you know, we had to make a very clever dynamic loading system that loaded just enough to play the first level and then carried on loading stuff in the background. And we found at the time it was a little bit fiddly to get it to mm. work for MiniClip. I think we had to put them all in a particular folder or something, but it wasn't that hard. Um, I'd certainly think that, you know, I remember I used to work at Curb in Brighton and I, I know them very well and they've always been telling me that if, you, if you're making a viral game, you want it to be as easy to steal as possible. Yeah, so yeah, they, always, they work very hard on putting it all in a single swift. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and exactly. And if you were doing that, I mean, once you got to say 10 megs, you just stop and make sure you not make any more content, basically, <laughs> to make sure it's all fitted in that. <laughs> it's obviously an advantage if it is all in one file in terms of distribution. Um, yeah, which is so so essential, though. I mean, yeah. But then I, the, I, I think, though, that, you know, the fact that most of our games have still been pretty widely distributed and aren't all one file makes me wonder how much of an issue it is. Oh, so people have managed to you know, effectively steal. We don't call it stealing anymore, but <laughs> take all the files for Extreme Pamplona and host it somewhere else. I've no idea if they have. But but they might have just been like iframing it or something though. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, that's, I, I have no idea if that happened, but I guess I was thinking more about whether it would be a, 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 an issue for people like Miniclip, and I don't think currently it is. Mm. You know, so no, I, no, yeah. I, I, think, I, mean, I think to you and I, you know, we're not experienced as much in HTML JavaScript as other people, I think, any any non-Flash programmer wouldn't really have a problem or had any difficulty with getting all the files out of a particular game and putting them sure. somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. Yeah, but I guess it's the fact of, I don't know, Flash makes it so simple to do it. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's a small thing, I guess. I don't know how important that's going to be. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't want to discourage anyone from making HTML5 games or JavaScript games for that reason. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, they are harder to monetize at the moment because yeah. there's no ad networks. But then, I, I mean, you say that, but there are ways to make money with with HTML. I'm, I'm going to leave out the five because we're not meant to say the five anymore, apparently. I don't understand. Can you explain that to me? <laughs> well, I, I think, you know... And a logo came out and then... This is my understanding. A logo <laughs> came out and three days later, another, another body said, oh, there's no HTML5. Yeah, I mean, there's, and again, this is something that I'm just starting to learn about now, so I'm not really the best expert to talk about it. But yeah, there, there was that whole thing about HTML5, and I think this was the W3C. So there's the W3C, and then there's like the, um, what, WG group, right? Is that right? You probably say it in a certain way. I, I don't even know how you say it. It's just it's really embarrassing. <laughs> But this is what happens when you when you start looking into technology that's different from your own. You know, and I, yeah. as you know, I've been going to JavaScript conferences and I've been um, speaking to all the experts and, and still, you know, but it's still quite new. I've been doing this for just under a year and I've yeah. learned a lot, but it's still new. So um, it's the W3C that decided they needed an HTML5 logo and they caused a lot of um, controversy because they also bundled in 
with the, the definition HTML5, they also bundled in CSS3, SVG, and, <laughs> right. and WAF, which caused masses of argument. Like, you think we argue about the iPhone. Like, you should see how much these guys argue about these things. Um, and I think Jeremy Keith wrote an interesting blog post about why you didn't really want to do that. There was loads of outcry, and then W3C changed their mind and said, okay, it's not referring to all those things anymore. And then, of course... Um, and I don't know how you say it, like, it's the what's WG, I guess that stands for something, I think it's the working group, right? Just I don't know, you're out of my domain quite a long way there. I'm sort of in, out of my depth too, myself, <laughs> so I'm sure that people explain Can we call it the Wooted or something? What wig? Let's call it the what wig, let's just do that. I'm just going to the FAQs to tell me if, <laughs> if, if it pronounce. tells me how to pronounce it. Um, but they basically turned up and said, you know what, we're focusing on this term, HTML5, is HTML5 ready? And all this news about HTML5 isn't going to be a standard until 2022. And everyone's like, oh, HTML5 isn't ready yet. Then it's not going to be ready for 10 years. And of course, the truth is, is that HTML is an evolving standard. HTML4 hasn't even been finalized yet. and won't be until next year, but we're still working with it, right? That's what it is. It's an evolutionary cycle. It's a, a very long and slow process, but the browsers all implement it early. And we've been using you know, features of HTML4 and HTML5 now for a while, as long as all the browsers implement it, then we can use it. So the W-H-A-T-W, the what's work? What's, I really should. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at their website now and I just, there's no, I'm searching for pronounce and no, not telling me. Um, I don't even know what it stands for, but I'm sure that WG is working. What's, what are the initials? Let me just type into Google. W-H-A-T-W-G. W-H. It's like what and then W-G. Can we just edit all the bits where we sound ignorant out? Yeah, we'll, we'll make ourselves more intelligent. <laughs> Oh, no, Google's not telling me anything about it. Sure. Wow, we've got some dead air here, Ian. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay uh, so, but anyway, they decided, you know, rather than focusing on the number, they just focused, like like we have done up until now, we've just said HTML, right? We've just, we haven't said HTML4 site or an XHTML site or whatever. We've just said it's HTML. Well, is it more useful to say a JavaScript game, considering JavaScript is actually the programming language that you write in? I mean, the terminology is really confusing because, of course, it's the, the con combination of HTML, JavaScript, and CSS, and sometimes others yeah. as well. So I'm always finding that my terminology, particularly with my recent blog post, has changed between native browser capabilities, open web. You know, no one likes open web anymore. That's a bit of a loser thing to say, apparently. <laughs> um, you know, or just the front end stack, or you know, there's all these terms that basically mean HTML, JavaScript, CSS. It does become quite difficult to talk about. Yeah, I mean, in a way, I was kind of glad that HTML. I mean, HTML5 has just become like the term Web 2.0, right? It's just become this encompassing term that that covers everything. And I sort of didn't really mind that, but now apparently we're not supposed to do that anymore. It, may, it, may, it doesn't affect me either way, whether it's HTML5 or HTML. Yeah, I've, I mean, I certainly know that people... Talking about the canvas tag is useful because yeah, but then we know course, what it is. If you want, we know that that's... If you want, if from a game's perspective anyway. Yeah, it, but then, of course, it gets complicated because there's... In fact, this sort of... I, was meant, I did mean to mention this when it came to monetization, but although uh, basically there's a, a, a programmer called Paul Backus who I met at Full Frontal, and he's written um, a JavaScript game engine called... Um, I don't know how you pronounce it, it's A-V-E-S, so I, I'm guessing Aves. I think, I think it's probably Aves. But anyway, so a couple of things about Paul is that he 
he uh, says you shouldn't use canvas for games because it's so slow. Um, and he's also advocating this use of DOM objects and setting the, the 3D transformation to enable um, hardware acceleration, which, as far as I know, works at least in WebKit browsers and maybe some of the others as well. But either way, it's still the fastest way to render sprites and, and things like that much faster than Canvas. Sure. So, and this is the guy that created jQuery, right? He is a jQuery team member, yes. Yeah, the other interesting thing about Paul Backus is, anyway, you know, is that he's basically got some pretty major funding for his startup from the West Coast, so there is a huge amount, like, although the, you might not be able to um, you know, make money so easily out of things like um, advertising or Flash Games license or Mochi ads or whatever, but he's, you know, because there's, there's so much interest in um, JavaScript games, then he's managed to secure funding. So I think that's quite interesting. There does seem to be a real interest in gaming on, you know, casual online games in San Francisco on the whole and the yeah. West Coast. Um, well, that's, I mean, that's social games, isn't it? Yeah. And they, they've got lots of money to spend. Yeah, of course, I think. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm quite interested in social games because I'm not, you know, I never really play them. I, I never got Farmville. I never, you know, I, I've never really been caught up in them. But it does seem to me, and, and again, you all know this, but whereas maybe five years ago um, I was seeing a lot of viral games coming out where you'd send them to your mates and go, huh, that's really funny. Now it's like not, it doesn't really happen so much. It seems to be more Facebook game or there's a like button or add it to your friends or whatever, you know, is that true? Um, it depends who, you might be just kind of don't email that kind of stuff around anymore. I mean, you don't do that. Do you know what I mean? Does anyone? I'm sure, I'm sure lots of people, yeah, yeah, loads of, I still get emails from certain old friends yeah. of like 20 silly photos in an email and things like that. <laughs> so people do still send that stuff around. I mean, it seems like you're much more likely to um, distribute that stuff through Facebook now, right? I mean, or Twitter. Like, my thing yeah. is Twitter. Like, where I might have emailed people links, now I just post it on Twitter and if people want to look at it, that's up to them. It's quite interesting. I think Twitter is definitely a channel that you have to watch, otherwise you miss oh, yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's, I mean, Twitter has killed off a lot of things as well. Like, blogs that, or kind of site aggregators, like dig.com yeah. yeah. and Reddit, I think, are doing a lot worse since, mm. since Twitter came around. Um, I know I used to get a lot of traffic from a website called Flash Game. No, not, no, called, sorry, Flash Bookmarks. Oh, yeah. And basically I used that's to get dropped, traffic from that. Yeah, that's dropped off quite a lot. And it seems to be exactly correlate with Twitter getting popular with Flash developers. Yeah. And it just seems that everyone like gets their links off of that now. Sure. So, you know, people like you and, the, and you know, Keith Peters and the Flash developers who have, say, 2,000 or more followers have kind of taken that role over as being the kind of link aggregators. Yeah. I mean, definitely the microblogging thing has definitely um, changed my blogging habits. Whereas before, if I felt something, I'd probably... And write a blog post, and now if I can squeeze it into 140 characters, I will. Obviously, mm. and it can cause problems sometimes as well because you probably can't be quite as um, careful with your words as you should be. Yeah, I mean, another thing though is that it's kind of they're lost to history a bit as well. Like once once the moment's passed, like yeah, kind of the day after you posted it on Twitter, that's it, kind of gone. It's Whereas, like yesterday's newspaper. Yeah, yeah. Whereas <laughs> on my blog, you know. I, if I post, say, if I like someone's website and I post a blog post that is just go to this website and look at it, it's really good. Yeah. You know, that's kind of evergreen. That's going to send people over to that, to that website for years to come. <laughs> Whereas the Twitter thing is just, yeah, exactly. It's, what's the phrase? It's like today's news is tomorrow's chip wrappers or something. Yeah, it's like the digital chip wrappers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so we move on to, we've, t we've covered a bit of JavaScript, but you've been looking into some JavaScript stuff, right? You've 
Well, what I've been looking into is Jangaroo, mm -hmm. which is a special, um, I guess you call it an application, or it's a compiler, basically, that compiles uh, ActionScript 3 code into JavaScript. Yeah. And there's with it, there is a library which implements some of the Flash Player APIs in HTML, JavaScript, or HTML5. Does it use Canvas? It uses Canvas, yeah. It's got, it's got a thing that will draw, that will simulate the Flash drawing APIs, like graphics. Yeah. The graphics.begin film, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, it will simulate that with Canvas. Okay. And it also, I think, does like display objects with DOM elements as well. Okay. So, in theory, a really kind of useful and powerful thing. And what about with the timeline vector animation? No. It doesn't so, do any of that. So Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't support FLAs or anything. Right. Your, so there's your, no way of getting your sort of animations into it. But if you're no. just using bitmaps or like the, yeah. the drawing API, it's all right. The thing to use would be like uh, Keith Peters' sprite sheet generator thing that he just released. Oh, yeah. Where you make a Swift and then he's got this tool, which is an air application, where you can just record bits of it, basically, as uh, image sequences. Sure. So you would use that. And that's also useful for any kind of HTML game or any game or iOS game or any or Windows phone game or any game where you would normally make your assets in Flash, but now you're on a different platform. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it, you just you just point it towards some some class files, basically, and then it, it kind of interprets them. But what's interesting is that you can mix in JavaScripty looking stuff, like calls, like, uh, you know, document.write type things. Into your flat, into your action script code. Hmm. Sounds horrible. So, so <laughs> it, I mean, so it's not just it's not just a kind of flash emulator for HTML. Yeah, it's also a an alternative way of writing web apps. And, and how do you work with it then? Do you just kind of pass it your action script files and it? Okay, so the way it works is it's a Maven. Well, it's a kind of command line compiler thing. It uses Maven. Okay. Uh, so. What I had to do was I downloaded Maven, installed it, and then I downloaded the... Uh, I don't know any of the Maven terminology. It's the only thing I've ever used Maven to do. So <laughs> I, I downloaded Jangaroo, basically, which is a, something, a kind of thing that only works with these tools. And then you go to the command line and you type in, like, Maven, Maven compile, and uh, it compiles your, your directory, basically. Okay and spits out some JavaScript and some HTML pages from, from your source ActionScript files. Um, and it's, it's pretty cool, really. Um, the, 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 the downside was it took a lot of time for me to set it up and actually get it to compile the, the Hello World. Okay. That, took, that took me like an hour, yeah. I think, because I had to install Maven and work out how that worked and things. So the learning curve is quite steep. And I think for a lot of Flash guys and even JavaScript guys, probably not necessarily the most techy people. Yeah. Especially Flash guys, like, you know, it's probably your first time looking at Maven and... Sure. Well, um, I mean, I like to think that I am quite technical, but even stuff like, you know, some I mean, of those ant builds and stuff like that, yeah, I just do my head in. I don't know why. I just, for some reason, I just find it very difficult to be interested in those sort of yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, well, that's, that's it. I mean, I think I'm... I'm yeah, highly technical in the areas that I choose to be, and then everything else I purposefully ignore <laughs> so that I don't uh, fill up my head with it. There do seem to be some areas that just which are meant to make your life easier, but just actually don't. 
or just I mean, so hard the, to get into that the thing is though that it's like to the to the people who make jangaroo i'm sure it's perfectly natural yeah. that they would use all this stuff because they're the kind of people who are can write a compiler yeah. that compiles action script 3 to javascript mm-hmm. but for just a normal schmo yeah uh it's you know it's new territory basically sure if they could make like a, a gooey front end for it or something like that you know a little nice looking air app where you <laughs> point to your the directory and just press go i think that'd be awesome yeah um, so so you did you get anything working in it um i got the hello world to compile and i got i got my code all to compile which so that threw various errors where things weren't supported and it so in the command line it showed me what those errors were like for example vector isn't supported um so i had to change that to arrays and then it compiled and certain other things weren't weren't supported so sure. i made all of those changes got that uh to compile but then it doesn't run my application it was the bunnies application yeah so I wasn't starting from scratch because I can get the other examples from the Jangaroo website to compile. Like there's an Andre Michel spinning lines thing. Right. Um, and with and the I audio can, as well? No, it doesn't have any audio. Yeah, I can't imagine uh, an Andre Michel example without any audio. I think it's quite an old one probably. <laughs> sure. um, he only does audio. That's yeah, just... <laughs> yeah, these days. So, so it didn't work out too well for you? Well, basically, I can make changes to that one. You know, I can change yeah. the variables and everything and it all works. But... In terms of, will it just port your existing Flash game to HTML? No, it won't, basically. Yeah, sure. But I still, I haven't given up. I still want to make it work because I know what the problem is. It's, it doesn't import the PNG, and then after that, it stops working. Sure. But then the other thing is, I'm so used to having like runtime errors and everything and debugging <laughs> that in JavaScript, I don't know what I'm doing with that stuff. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's like, really, I, I'm, that's really... I'm not really sure how you debug JavaScript. I know you can, but... That's a really important point, and it's something that I'm hoping to to write up on my blog um, quite soon. But I mean, as as someone who who knows ActionScript, going back into JavaScript because it's been you know I did used to do JavaScript like ten years ago or something. So going awesome. back is it does feel a bit painful at times, and debugging is one of those areas. And also, I think in a way that because ActionScript and JavaScript are so close, it can be a little bit misleading because you sort of think, yeah, I know this, but actually there's you know, there's some, there are some significant differences, and it's not necessarily in the language itself, but it's over like the prioritization of how you use that language, and that varies between you know fairly major things like, for example, the fact that it's so such dynamic type language that it's just like AS2. If you get the name of a variable wrong, it just makes you a new variable and <laughs> carries on. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, and it's those sort of things that are very difficult yeah. to debug. So it's kind of going back to that getting used to, you know, just doing traces or using the console in JavaScript, of course. And then I'm actually finding that the Chrome uh, developer tools are really, really good. So if you right-click on your JavaScript or on your HTML page and and do inspect element, then it brings up all the developer tools which allow you to see which resources it's using. And uh, it also shows you the console. And it will give you errors for undefined variables and things like that. So there's yeah. sort of major things like that. But then there's also, like... Minor things, minor changes in the preferences of JavaScript coders compared to ActionScript coders, which I think we should listen. You know, we should listen to those guys. I think it's a bit arrogant to be like, "Yeah, we're just going to come into JavaScript and do it just like we've been doing ActionScript because we know everything." You know, I think it's important to just kind of understand why they they've cho- made particular decisions. Things like, um, let me think. Well, you know, because with JavaScript, it's not compiled into bytecode, right? It's 
your web page has to download all of that source. So JavaScript yeah. programmers have got very used to um, being succinct. So whereas in ActionScript, if we wanted to define a new array, we might use the square brackets, you know, to define and to create and to instantiate a new array. We might do that because we know it's the most optimized way. But if we wanted to make readable code, we're more likely to do new array. Oh no, no, the new array. No, you're not a new array. Person. No, because it, it says in the flex style guide to not do new array. Okay, fair enough. That's probably a so, bad example, but yeah. So, but anyway, you, you if you let's say you did have the choice, yeah, and there was no other reason for it, then a JavaScript programmer would automatically choose the smallest in number yeah. of. Yeah. Well, I mean, characters. let's talk. Let's talk more realistically about say variable names. Mm. I think an ActionScript developer might call a thing, for example. Um, you know, destroyed enemies. Yeah. Whereas a JavaScript developer would call it destroyed enemies. <laughs> I must admit, I haven't really seen that, and I think because that, some, <laughs> I haven't seen that too much because I think that you know, if you do want to minify your code, there are tools yeah. that do that, yeah, right? Absolutely. And they'll just go through and replace all your variables. Yeah. So I haven't. But seen then, that. because because you don't have auto completion, though, you're less likely to maybe destroyed enemies is a bad example. But if you had something that was longer than that, I mean, I certainly feel that a lot of JavaScript code isn't that read readable. Just you know, because because they'll often use things that are perhaps not best practice in ActionScript. Like if you look at um, Grant Skinner's Easel library, uh -huh. you can see straight away that that was written by an ActionScript programmer. Just even little things like every variable is declared on on a separate line, whereas JavaScript <laughs> programmers will always just have commas between every variable. You know, so it'd be var, you know, variable one, comma variable two, variable three, and they'll usually you know set those sure. variables. And the only reason they're doing that to save characters right and but that's the sort of well, sure, it's just a habit isn't it i mean it's a habit it's but there's it's a habit for a reason right you know they're trying to when and it's perhaps less of an issue these days with our sort of modern download speeds but it comes from a history of trying to keep your javascript as succinct as possible and there's other things that like for example you know and i get sick of Action script is arguing about whether you should drop your braces or whether you should cuddle them. <laughs> you know? yeah. And oh my God, I can't believe the amount of discussions that have come on this subject on various blogs. And, and it's like, well, you know, I personally prefer to drop my braces, but that's my personal. I can't imagine that there'd be. It's a, not worth thinking about, is well, it? I mean, I, there is no Once one. Once you make your own decision, though, there's, there's no point in trying to yeah, convert anyone. Because else. there's no really good reason for one over the other. There's no, it's not like. I have to drop my brackets because it runs faster, or you know, there's no actual good reason apart from. But there are, but let's not let's not mention them. Oh, really? I don't, I don't want to get I don't want to get drawn into it, but there, there's issues of readability, isn't it? Yeah, which is a personal thing, right? So, to me, that these are very minor, you know, these are minor minor reasons. But in JavaScript, there is a good reason to cuddle your braces, which is that. In a lot of cases, um, the JavaScript interpreter in a browser will add semicolons to the end of every line. So if you've got a block <laughs> of code in some brackets and you've dropped your bracket, then it might put the semicolon at the end of the line before. Do you know what I mean? So it's stuff like Crazy, that yeah. That, yeah. that now means that it's best practice to, to cuddle your brackets in JavaScript. And yeah. I think as action scripters, we can be a little bit snooty, especially because we're like, Oh, what's all this rubbish? It's like AS2. I'm so much more mature now, and it's it's not. I mean, let's not to be. Let's give it its credit. It's not even like AS2. It's pretty because at least AS2, in, in AS2 we had real classes and things, and we could <laughs> pretend that we had data types. See, this is a classic example of just programmer snootiness. <laughs> it isn't snootiness. Though. <laughs> it is snootiness. It isn't. I mean, because uh, what's what's interesting, right? About of all the things that we talked about before, you did what the flux? Yeah. 
the thing that I was most vocal about on on chat and that you never mentioned is the issue of, you know, working. It's just enjoyable to work with a language like ActionScript 3, C Sharp or Java for a lot of developers. Yeah. I mean, I even quoted you, I think, on my latest language. blog post, right? Because I never forget that time you, you said, I'd rather die than go back to using a dynamic type language. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Which, well, yeah, probably a bit of an exaggeration, but... I'm, yeah, a bit drama- dramatic there, yeah. Ian. But I wouldn't rather die, but I'd, I'd probably rather go and do something else other than make web games. Yeah, and, and that's, yeah. you know, that's... Well, you could, if you just have to look at my recent blog post to see that that was quite a common theme, was like, JavaScript hasn't got this, hasn't got that, hasn't got the other. And my response to that is, well, you know, if there's a reason to target a particular platform then there's a reason to get over it, you know. So if I, if I was feeling cheeky, I'd say, suck it up. <laughs> but the truth is... <laughs> you, wrote that, you, think you wrote that in one of the comments. Yeah, and then I did bring it up. someone was like, I will not suck it up. Yes, well, I mean, if there, isn't, suck it up. if there isn't a good reason to use JavaScript, then don't use it. But if there is a good reason, and I think there probably are a few good reasons to use it, then, you know, we, we've dealt with a lot worse as programmers. You know, I learned to program... Objective C, and it's really hard. It's an ugly language. If, well, if you're used to coming from where I come from, it's pretty ugly, at least. Very verbose. If if they say it isn't, they say it's really beautiful. And well, you know, it's like anything you get used to, right? It's like yeah. uh, I can't speak Russian, but Russians are really good at it. You know, it's like if there's, a, I, I sort of think that as a programmer, you know, you can work with these challenges, right? And recent, oh, of course, recently, yeah. I've been, and and for me. If there's a re- like, there's a reason to learn Objective C because I wanted to make iPhone games. So there's a reason to do it. So arguing about whether I like or dislike Objective C compared to ActionScript is a bit irrelevant because I've got to suck it up and get on with it. Yeah. Well. What, okay. So what should we say in summary on languages then? Is it's more what you're comfortable with than what's better? Yeah. I mean, naturally, there are to anyone you know, like us. You know, I'm used to Flash Builder. So I'm used to autocomplete and I'm used to all these nice code hinting and stuff like that. Um, you know, so obviously going back to a JavaScript development environment is is hard, you know, and it's mm. weird. But if if there's a point in doing it, then I'm going to do it. And if I start getting snooty about how how much better ActionScript and the tools are than JavaScript, well, of course, they are better, but it doesn't stop people wanting to use JavaScript or having to use JavaScript. It's like it's the same with the .NET developers who, without fail, all tell me how amazing Visual Studio is, and I, I totally believe mm. them. Um, but that's no good to me if I'm making a Flash game, right? I've still got to use. Yes, and I know there's an Action Script plugin for Visual Studio, but I think at that point you're getting to those horrible setups like you had with Maven. <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, yeah, you don't want to be doing that necessarily. Yeah, so you know, my point is. Yeah, but then F- Flash Develop has all the good stuff that Visual Studio has. So. All of it? Huh? No, it doesn't have um, that that level of refactoring. Yeah. But other than that, and in a lot of ways, it's, it's better than Visual Studio because it's so much faster. Well, I mean, I, I like Flash Develop. I mean, I work on Macs, as you know, but I love Flash Development just in terms it's of its really simplicity good. and it's focused on one task as opposed to Flash Builder. And you know, and I've got to say, FDT as well. You know, being based on Eclipse is, I think, is a huge disadvantage because it mm. makes things slow and ugly. Um, but yeah, we're kind of getting into the details now. But the short version is there is probably always going to be a better development environment than the one you're using. Yeah. And a worse one. Absolutely. But yeah, if there's a reason to use a language for targeting a particular platform, then you'll suck it up. 
Right, on that bombshell, do you think we should call it a, a night? I think so, yeah. Okay, well, great to, to speak to you and open up the inaugural episode of Insert Name Here creative, The Creative Coding Podcast. I like it. Let's do that. Um, yeah, it's been great. So, well, we're going to try and hopefully do it again if our busy yep. lives don't get in the way. Um, but if you liked it, let us know. If you didn't like it, I suppose you better let us know, but be polite. And um, yeah, we'll see you next time. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Good. God knows what sort of state that was in. Oh, that wasn't too bad. Yeah? Yeah, it was all right. Shall I stop recording? Yeah, you could do. Uh,